out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Sporer and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 649 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, February 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, and it's time for another Fireside Chat. So, of course, I am joined by Mr. Nick Pollock. Nick, what's up? What is happening? Spring training is live on MLB.TV, and it's a wonderful thing. It is upon us. And, uh, you know, we got a couple college games today and then a Seattle, Seattle, Oakland uh, rain fest. It was, it was very rainy there. And I kind of had that one on mute, getting ready for, for the pod and everything. So I, I they went to MLB now. I don't know if they called the game or just delayed it or what. But, uh, yeah, you know, weird to see that in Arizona. You kind of expect some of that in Florida. You can get some dodgy weather. But in Arizona, you usually expect it to be free and clear, and uh, they're dealing with some stuff out there. But baseball is back. We'll have the uh, the full slate of games where it's major leagues versus major leagues. I believe starting tomorrow, um, if I if I recall correctly. Um, so I mean, it's time, Nick. I mean, we're we're here. We made it. We made it through <laughs> the slog that is the god awful winter. Yes. I mean, there's still winter out there, but we have the baseball to keep us warm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's exciting. We got to see Jesus Luzardo today, mm-hmm. uh, which was very fun to see. I didn't actually know that we'd get that, and all of a sudden, there he was on the screen. And uh, I'm just ready to talk about it all. Let's do it. Well, you know what? 
We will be talking about him later. <laughs> that is a tease. Because what we're talking about today is pitchers to watch in spring training. And so we've each got six guys that we're watching for different things. Uh, you know, these aren't all like injury returns or stuff. It's, we tried to mix it up a little bit here. And so we're going to kind of go through some of these guys are, are pitchers we've definitely talked about. But I tried to me. I tried to add some new names. You know, I'm not. Uh, I will be watching Jamison Tyone slider any any chance I get, of course. But I don't need to bring that up again. <laughs> I'm watching to see how healthy Jimmy Nelson looks, but I don't need to bring that up again. So I really wanted to focus on some things that maybe are a little bit uh, away from what we've chatted about. Uh, and I see that you have a mix too, some guys that we've discussed, but also some different ones. So let's just jump in and we'll go back and forth. I'll start with mine uh, at the top here is a little bit of an on the nose one, but I really want to see where he's at because I've put some faith into him with my ranking and that's you Darvish. And of course I'm just looking for plain old health, right? The reports mm-hmm. that he's making it through the thresholds that he's given. If he's given 75 pitches, does he get, you know, between 72 and 80? Because sometimes if the if the batter ends on 72, they might just say cap it there or, you know, push it one more batter, things like that. If you, you know, whatever amount, whatever innings or pitches they're giving Darvish, I want to make sure he's getting through that with no discomfort. Obviously, the velo being near where it's supposed to be would be nice. I don't necessarily need him to be 94, 95 right out of the gate. But if he's at, uh, you know, 92, 93 and, and working up, I'm okay with that. I just want to make sure that he's hitting his thresholds after a busted season last year, 40 innings for you, Darvish. And, you know, he wasn't at his best in 2017 either. Uh, he, he took off a little bit with the Dodgers after a 401 ERA with the Rangers. I'm not so worried about that one, though. The home runs were a little bit of an issue, uh, and, and that carried over to last year. So the performance is, is ancillary. Hit your thresholds. Keep the pitches where they're supposed to be. I want to see what uh, what kind of health you Darvish has. Yeah, and to uh, to continue on that, I mean, I'm, I'm with you completely. If he's saying 93, 94 in spring training, I am so on board. I'm already mm-hmm. a bit on board. I think we both are a bit uh, relative to the, to the market uh, that forgets that he is a 27% plus K rate guy all of his career. Just, yeah, automatic strikeouts. Uh, not to mention a better ERA than you'd get with Chris Archer. Um uh, on the same idea of health, uh, I really am going to be focusing a bit on Jared Eikhoff to see if he can slot into that Phillies rotation. Came back, had any strikeouts against the Braves in under four innings in that one appearance we saw, or the one, one start that we saw last year. Uh, and now he did have some reoccurring symptoms uh, from carpal tunnel surgery, but it does look like already that's behind him, and I really want to see him just feeling comfortable and getting those innings during spring training. And it's possible to me that he could beat out Zach Eflin or Vince Velasquez. We've talked about this in the past. He's definitely someone that I'm going to be monitoring a lot in spring training. Exactly. I don't think it's out of bounds that that somebody like Jared Eikhoff, with with some of the work that he's done in the past, can supersede one of those guys. I think that uh, Velasquez specifically has the bigger name value, but you know Zach Eflin's not blocking anyone off, and I, and I don't even think that necessarily Vince Velasquez isn't uh, is doing so if he himself doesn't perform enough to kind of keep Jared Eikhoff at bay. So I think I think Eikhoff's very much in the mix, and if he's if he's pitching healthy and looking looking sharp then yeah, he's going to be in there. And we've talked about him in past episodes. Uh, I understand your excitement there. And folks should be listening to the Picture List podcast already on y'all's feed. And you and uh, you, you and Alex Fast have discussed Eikhoff a bit too. So uh, yeah, Eflin is not locked in there. And Eikhoff could definitely jump in. Uh, somebody that isn't health-related for me is Shane Bieber. 
and you know the market loves him and i think it's a mistake that's been made before with kind of getting drunk on the strikeout to walk ratio it's it's very nice i love it and i understand why why you want to get excited but as we've discussed i think he doesn't walk enough guys something you don't usually hear people say right. but i think it's it's so much more control than command and i want to see his approach so i'm really hoping to catch a start you know i'll have the uh, the the at bat locked and loaded from day 1 so i can watch the games that they show there or if they put them on mlb network i'm looking to catch a couple of of Shane Bieber starts and really see what he's doing to uh you know be be stronger outside of the zone or on the edges and not just lay things in there when he gets into a hitter's count instead of maybe walking a guy because I think he's good enough to to walk a few guys put that runner on uh, especially with bases empty and and attack the next guy I really think that that's an issue that uh, that he needs to overcome because I, I can live with a 7% walk rate with the ability uh, that he has to get swings and misses and get strikeouts and stuff. And that way you're not allowing 10.2 hits. And I think a lot of it is his approach that he regularly gives in. So I'll be watching Shane Bieber's approach and ideally, you know, a couple starts. I'm not going to watch every single outing of his, but I hope to watch a couple and see what's up with him. Yeah, to his nasty stuff credit that you're saying, uh, that slider had a 53% O swing last year and a 26% swing strike rate. That's phenomenal. Though. Those are both absolutely elite marks for it. Also, you have that changeup with a 40% plus O swing and a 14.5% swing strike rate. So he has, I'm sorry, not a changeup, that's a curveball. So he has two of these, two of these options ready to go. Um, and it's just about getting those counts uh, and going deeper into uh, at bats and not letting guys swat away at that fastball. Now, my favorite, just uh, not Justin, oh my lord. I just did it. I did it. It's about time. You know, we actually, I don't think we've it's ever done about that. time. So the fact I... that we very first time called him Justin uh, for Shane Bieber is pretty impressive. We should have a drop where we just you play know, like a five I... second of a Bieber song. Would it be funny if I said that I was going to call you Justin as opposed to Paul? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, the thing about Shane Bieber is that, uh, my, this is my favorite stat of his, um, that he allowed two walks, in, sorry, out of... 50% of the starts where he allowed two walks. That's three out of the six. He allowed zero earned runs. Um, two walks or more. But in the uh, in the games, 13 starts where he allowed one or zero walks, uh, it was just 7.5% of the time that he allowed zero earned runs. Wow. So that, that essentially just says that, okay, half the time when he allowed two walks, he had zero earned runs. Only did that one out of 13 times when he had one or fewer walks. That's another way mm-hmm. of putting that because I didn't like my sentence before. Anyway. <laughs> I <laughs> But no, the thing about Bieber, right, exactly what you're saying, it's it's weird to even suggest that someone that would we want to see more walks from him, but that's actually kind of what we, we were saying with Jeff Smarja at yep. the beginning of 2017, and actually and I think Michael that Pineda. is someone that you were mentioning <laughs> he- as well. Get on your segue over here and let's ride on over. <laughs> Jeff Samarja, yes, absolutely. Again, this is another health one that's kind of on the nose, but definitely something I think he's become an afterthought. Obviously, Darvish, while we are higher on him uh, than the market, it's not like the market has forgotten about him. He's just kind of a little bit lower than, than you and I want. The market has forgotten about Jeff Samarja. Yes. He has a 360 average draft position. I mean, that is gone like it, no no one's really caring about Jeff Samarja and I think that that's a bit of a mistake here because don't forget this guy was a was a real strikeout asset uh for many years and even some of the years where his strikeout rate wasn't as good 
his volume made up for it. He's definitely one of those guys that kind of counterbalances, even when he puts up, say, a 20% like he did in 2016. He's still got 167 strikeouts because he popped 203 innings. I mean, this guy was the prototypical workhorse, and then injury struck last year, 45 innings of very bad work, and nothing really worked. And that's how you kind of knew he was off because the strikeout and walk rates were just completely trashed. It was a washout season. He will be 34, but again, I'm looking for Jeff Samarja to clear his thresholds. I believe he actually had some positive reports recently where he was kind of letting it go and, uh, and and hitting his VLO marks. So everything's looking good there very early. And I'll definitely be keeping a close eye on Samarja to see him hitting thresholds. And if I'm getting him later than pick 300, that's, that's I'm wild. definitely getting some shares. Yes. The, uh, the thing about Samarja is that he had this uh, inflamed shoulder that he never got to rest properly in 2018. And it, 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 it popped up around this time last year. Uh, so I really am willing to throw out the entirety of 2018 in that respect. Um, and not to mention, in 2016-17, you see those ERAs. It's a bit scary. 381 in 2016 and 442 in 2017. At the same time, it's a 120 whip and a 114 whip. Exactly. And yes, the ERA is one factor, but the other things do help too. I uh, talked about this in my solo Valentine's Day pod about how too often we um, – we, we we love a guy who's got a great ERA and a bunk whip, and and the 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 reverse doesn't get as much love. Right. Where where you see a guy who maybe is tracking a high threes, low fours ERA, but has a good whip, and and for some reason I think the whip is a little bit overlooked. So that's a great point with Samarja. If he throws in strikeouts with it, you're getting two key assets there, and he could still like it's not unreasonable that a healthy Samarja can put up a mid to low threes ERA in San Francisco. Now, speaking of health in San Francisco, someone yes. else I would also These keep an eye on. I've got this down. You don't even realize it's for this entire podcast. Just We're going to go on a journey. Uh, I've got one to jump <laughs> off of this, too. So you, 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 you do your thing, so, and we'll see who gets their segue first. Well, okay. So there's Drew Pomerantz, uh, yes. who I, I kind Dirty of like soggy. Um, I, I also wanted to throw in a little bit of Drew Smiley in this one, too. Definitely okay. someone to be looking at in Texas Rangers uh, organization, but Drew uh, Drew Pomerantz, I call him the dirty cheerleader when he's great. Um, he was throwing about 89 miles per hour all of a sudden. I want to see him back to 91. I think he can get there. He's even talked about how it's felt weird for him uh, last year, and he's starting to feel better. Uh, so I, I think that's a possibility. If he's at 91, that could be good value uh, for Drew Pomerantz. Uh, this is someone who has had 35.5% strikeout rates a lot. It's pretty much a career mark of 23% since 2014. He even had that 26.5% uh, peak in 2016. So I, I think there is value to be had if Pomerantz is starting, especially in AT&T Park. And if he's at 91 miles per hour, I think he could be productive for your team. And it's a rebuilding team that just has wide open time to give somebody like Drew Pomerantz. I did a right. piece recently uh, finding this year's blank pitchers and, you know, filling it in like uh, finding this year's Mike Clevenger, or Blake Snell and uh, Zach Wheeler was a category. And the, the the topic there was an afterthought injury rebound going like 400 or later mm. in average draft position, because as much as we love uh, Zach Wheeler right now, have to try to rewind to last year. Oh, yeah. Nobody was talking about him. 
there was absolutely no love for Zach Wheeler. Nobody was thinking like, ooh, what? You know, remember he was somebody we cared about. Uh, he might bounce back. No, nobody was talking about it. Drew Pomerantz going 485, and I do think that he's somebody who could kind of play that role this year. Maybe not to the same heights, but at 485, you don't have to do too much to be an asset and a value add there. And he had two seasons of 332 back to back ERAs of 332 for 170 plus innings with the quality strikeout rate. San Francisco is going to help. I like all of it there. And like I said, rebuild team wide open. Speaking of a rebuilding team, let's stick with a couple of <laughs> your picks go. here and talk about the Detroit Tigers because you're looking at two different guys. Of course, our boy Fulmer, but you're also looking at Matt Boyd. Let's talk about Fulmer first and then shift into Matt Boyd. You're watching both. And what are you looking for? Okay, so with Michael Fulmer, I really want to see that change up back to him. Uh, if you guys remember, he had ulnar nerve transposition surgery last year that removed numbness from his fingers, but it still actually takes some time for that to come back. Exactly. And pair that with the fact that he had uh, minor knee surgery this offseason, about a, a partially torn meniscus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is something that definitely is going to affect you during the year. So imagine a healthy Fulmer now. If I see that change up being used often and with a good feel, I want to see some interview, at least in talking about that, because I have to imagine that's a big priority for him. That used to be a money pitch for him. And pair that with that slider that can miss bats and a fastball that touches 97, 98 <laughs> yeah. consistently. It's, I think he actually averaged 96 last year on his heater. He did. Those three pitches really do dictate a workhorse, not to mention this is a guy that will be let loose. He will pitch six to seven innings often for the Tigers when he's going. So I would love to see that change up uh, back and uh, and used often. Uh, I know. Good feel. I know we've beat the drum on Fulmer, but it's but it's it's with good reason, man. This is still a guy who's just 26, and there's been a lot to like uh, over the course of his 456 innings. Obviously, last year was the worst of it, but even within last year, there were bits of his season where you're like, okay, this is working here, this is working there. The changeup was a problem throughout the season, but uh, there's definitely been some aspects of, of Fulmer that have been fantastic in the previous two seasons. So, yeah, we're keeping a close eye on him. And Boyd, he's uh, he's a little bit different because he's coming off of a good season. And so you're keeping a close eye on Matthew Boyd to see if he can maintain. What specifically are you looking for out of Boyd? Well, the thing about Boyd is that he actually showed up with this amazing slider last year and wasn't good for a bit, even with that great slider. Took, and then, took a while. Then all of a sudden he's starting to throw 92-93 instead of throwing 90-91. And that really happened in the, in the final two months. And that's when Boyd kind of took off a little bit. I would love to see Matt Boyd return in, in spring training with velocity around 92-93. If I see that, pair with a very good slider, and maybe that changeup does develop more into a consistent pitch, that could be a good three-pitch offering, and we could be talking about a good impact for for 2019. Now, I will say this. People have been asking, hey, I, I want the next Trevor Bauer, the next Patrick Corbin. Well, a lot of people forget that they both showed signs of 2018 and 2017 with improvements. Yes. Boyd is doing that here a little bit. I'm not, I don't want to make the direct comparisons because it's obviously a, a lottery ticket still. But if we do see that velocity up now, I would definitely be chasing him because that could carry over. Uh, we could be seeing more of those 11 strikeout games like he had on September 8th last year. And he's another one of those guys, Boyd is, that has the great whip, 116, that you know you, you might be losing in the shuffle because of a 439 ERA that certainly doesn't jump out. And I know that you're the king of, of nicknames, so I'm definitely not <laughs> trying to uh, come for your brand on that. But I like to do this thing that's really dumb. 
um, on when I'm whenever I am searching up somebody on Baseball Reference because I use I use both sites. They they, they give me different things. Uh, sometimes when I just need a quick like date to date sort of deal i do like to go to baseball references because you can just click the two dates and see how they did from that time period so i will i will use their site uh plenty i'm I'm not here to shade baseball reference but what you can do is you can search the name by just using parts of each name you put the space in and it'll find the guy um so i matthew boyd's nickname in my head is my boy because I can put M A space B O Y. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and, and he's the only one who shows up, so he's my boy. Nice. Uh, I would. Um. I love Gary Larson, The Far Side, and one of my favorite uh, cartoons he ever had were these gangsters with binoculars, and he called it Boyd Watching. <laughs> and that's what it was for me all last year. Every time yes. Matthew Boyd would do poorly, I, I would say, "Guys, I'm not going after this. I'm still Boyd Watching." You keep you keeping an eye and on. And now you should be Boyd watching through through spring training. Maybe I, this will work out. I agree. All right, sticking with the theme of crappy teams, uh, <laughs> arguably the crappiest one we're going to go with here, and we're going to head out to Baltimore, and we're going to talk about probably their only real interesting pitcher, somebody that we've certainly talked about in the past, but it's Dylan Bundy, and um, you know, frankly. I can't quite quit him. I, I have a hard time with it because he still has uh, a darn near money pitch, uh, maybe even full-on money pitch. I can't remember exactly if he if he fit the thresholds this year with the slider, but that's not what I'm going to be looking for, right? Because we know that even with that pitch doing well, you can still put up a 545 ERA and a 141 whip. So I need to see something out of anything else ideally multiple pitches but the fastball is going to be what i'm zoned in on and particularly the velocity he has hemorrhaged velocity over the last couple years down to a career low 91.6 last year would love to see that bounce back up into that uh 90 92 and a half 93 plus range um and that would definitely help for sure of course command of it you know you can live at 91.6 which is what he had last year if you're commanding the pitch he certainly wasn't doing that with any uh with any regularity last year and then and then we can worry about the changeup. but fastball slider right now could at least get bundy back to a uh you know somebody who you could stream or or at least see some value out of maybe go back to his low fours and quality whip days of, of 2017 you know 120 whip isn't too bad with some strikeouts there particularly if your spot starting him and curating him down to maybe a you know 375 118 type of deal uh so yeah i'm gonna be watching dylan bundy to see if there's anything else basically i'm betting on the slider and the new regime hopefully having some plans for him uh that they want to work on and, and improve him that way it's not a lot to go off of i'm not even really investing right now I just want to see what we can do with Dylan Bundy. And if there's any reasons for hope, he is still just 26. I know it's prospect fatigue. He's been around seemingly forever, but he's only 26. Now, in 2016, when he was actually doing a lot of great things, that changeup was a money pitch. A 21% swing strike rate, 48% zone rate, and a 48% O swing. And actually roughly the same amount of pitches thrown over the course of the season as 2017. And even he threw fewer of them in 2018. Now, uh, now, Spore, you and I are in this um, awesome P-Val draft oh. that we're doing, which is just way too much fun. We actually spent like 15, 20 minutes just talking about it before we recorded. And Bundy's changeup is in negative P-Val, like vastly last year, negative yes. 11. But this is a year after a 9.3 positive in 2017. 
Uh, and it makes you kind of wonder. I mean, we have one pitch that's required to have been a negative value in 2018. There, there's something to be said. If, we, we, if this were a deeper PVAL league. <laughs> yep. And maybe you had to do two or three negative pitches. Right. I would consider Bundy's because I really do think that over time he's going to get better at it. He allowed eight home runs with the pitch last year in under 300 thrown, which is part of the reason why it was so bad. He just made a lot of mistakes with it. And I can fathom that he gets closer to that 2016 mark uh, that he was really cruising with it. With So this is definitely something to watch with him, and you're 100% right about his velocity not being consistent through the year. Uh, it has dropped a decent amount, uh, and hopefully hopefully he can just be 92-93 consistently through the year too. So if you see both of those things, I'm on board with Bundy, and hopefully he can get there this spring. Yeah, I'll certainly throw I'll certainly throw a little something on Dylan Bundy if he can, right. in fact, rebound a bit. I want to mention real quick about the PVAL draft. We, like you said, we talked 15, 20 minutes just off air before we got on. This is one of your big best brain children, <laughs> and like you come up with great ideas all the time. This is so awesome. So fun. What we're doing is we're drafting based on on PVAL, and you have to fill out a roster: two fastballs, a slider, a curve, a changeup, two utilities, and then my little twist, my little addition yeah, to like this, this. Yeah. was having to draft the one that was a negative last year that you're obviously hoping can rebound. And uh, we're we're just about through five rounds. It's been so fun. I'm not gonna say it right now. I'm gonna leave people in suspense. Comment either in the in the uh, comments on our post uh, at Fangraphs or the one at PitcherList or hit us on Twitter. That's probably best. Yeah, hit us, hit us on, on Twitter. Twitter. That's a good at idea. At PitcherList, at Spore, what you think the first three selections were. Which individual pitches do you think – and Nick had the second pick. Is that helping or hurting? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's good data to help you or not. Now, this is uh, according to Pitch Info. Pitch info. Uh, not, and, and, yeah. and don't cheat because I did tweet out a draft board like yesterday okay. or something. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't cheat. cheat. I mean, no one's don't impressed if you cheat. Just try <laughs> to guess. If you haven't seen it, if you're unaware that we're doing this, just try to guess what they were. Uh, just the first couple pitches off the board or, or, or even just tell us what you think your few, first few pitches off the board would be. Um, I picked down at uh, – what do I have? Seven or eight? No, you're you're deep. Yeah, I'm, you're, nine. You're maybe I'm nine. nine. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually nine. And so, yeah pretty happy with what i got uh going so far this has been so 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 much fun for a draft that is you know something that we just kind of came up with and did no money tied to it i've spent so much time studying right like it's uncharted territory exactly i put up these v about it you know I, i got these spreadsheets cooking and you know it's basically kind of a trial run to see if, if it's something that's viable and then turn it into maybe something a little bit more yeah right we're gonna have a lot of fun with this but yeah i'm uh, really excited about it but let's now, let's jump back in here and I, I do want to mention one really quick thing about the orioles uh yes. there's someone i think is getting forgotten a lot and it's super lottery love him god you no do. no we're gonna keep going deeper david we're gonna has- go to Nate Carnes. Oh, Carnes. That is a good one. Jason Clark, um, very proud of you. He was a long and, time. Uh, oh, man. Time. He had those three, four starts when he started throwing knuckle curves um, when he was with the Royals. And he had he was cruising all of a Strikeout sudden. Strikeout City. I want to say it was 2016, uh, maybe even 17. And uh, then all of a sudden he got hurt. And that was that. And it was done, and he hasn't gotten that opportunity back to really to get in the, get, get in the groove again. Now he could be earning that rotation spot. He should. The Orioles signed him. I would be, definitely be looking to see that curveball usage, that knuckle curve. See if he's throwing it upwards of 40% plus like he did in that stretch. Very limited stretch, but you have to think. It was five games or four games he was just cruising. That is lodged in his mind uh, it was forever, a good, though, what he did. So, it's a great uh, that's call out. something. 
definitely uh, something to monitor with the Orioles. That, that might actually be my bold prediction that he is the most uh, fantasy relevant starter. And that, that's a good one. And uh, you talk about free. I mean, Nate Carnes is not on the draft boards of anybody. Right. Last four starts of his career at this point were, were in 2017 with the Royals. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. 32 strikeouts in 22 and a third innings, a 201 ERA, and a pretty sizzling uh, whip to go with. And I got the math right here: 0.94. So it is four starts, but. You talk about there was a change behind it, and the magnitude of that performance really set him off. And what I really liked about it, even though it was a tiny sample, was that he wasn't walking guys as much. And that was right. something that Carnes had, um, you know, had dealt with in the past. So that's a little bonus one there. That wasn't even <laughs> on anybody's list. Let's stick with one of yours and and dive a little bit more in because you've fully sold me on this guy. I, I didn't give him enough. You know, I gave him kind of the ancillary look he's about 123 or 124 like just off my top 120 i was like eh if something happens i'll come back to him when we talked about him recently matt strom i'm in like i'm so right? in and I, I, I can't wait time see. yeah i can't wait to see what he can do i really obviously hope that he gets a starting job but i think even if that doesn't quite happen he can be an uber reliever and and I'm, push some right. 90 inning, 100 inning type of of greatness. So talk to us about uh, Strom and what you're looking for as far as him in a uh, in a battle for a spot. I mean, honestly, I just want to see him gain those opportunities. Uh, I really feel that he should be able to beat Brian Mitchell for a starting rotation spot, right? Eric Lauer, come on. So uh, he has that fastball that missed bats at over a 12% mark last year. That's a swing strike rate of 12.3%. And in the zone 60% of the time, he has this massive swing and miss slider all of a sudden. 23.5% swing strike rate last year. Uh, he also has a changeup to back it up that he has confidence throwing inside of the zone. I really feel that he's just ready to go. Oh, yeah, by the way, he has a big curveball. This was the pitch that I loved before when he was just His trying Arsenal to get into the, the league. So I really feel that I give him an opportunity to stretch him out, which the Padres have insisted they want to do. They even talked about it in September. Mm-hmm. And their full intention is Strom to be a starter. Uh, I'm definitely watching this in spring training. I think if he gets a rotation spot... I'm drafting him everywhere, even in a 12-teamer. He's going to be my last pick probably as a, as a starter. Um, and also, I find myself specifically in 12-teamers that there are still like four guys on my queue ready to go at the end of the draft, which is just making me think more and more that I'm probably going one you're gonna push seven. Yeah, you're going to push pitching even I'm more. Do that. There's, this is the year where we think there isn't enough depth, and we should come back around in 2020 and say, there is so much There's, pitching yeah. depth. No, so, I... Um, I did a little something on on seven swingmen, and and included Strom, and even you know fully credit credited you of like really opening my eyes and saying I got to get him into my top 100 at this point. Like I said, he literally is three four spots off. So I you know aware of him and whatnot, but did not give him nearly enough consideration. Uh, got a little hidden from me there in uh, in San Diego. Four positive pitch values is pretty nice to be yeah. able to do. Four different ones. Um, yeah, and so I really like Matt Strom. Definitely feel like he should be able to win a spot there. You know, I know this guy's done some things in the past, but even Luis Perdomo shouldn't be shutting him out. So you got Mitchell, Lauer, and Perdomo. Strom really should be able to finagle his way in there. I think Mitchell uh, would be my number one to, to push away. They right. like Lauer. Lauer's only 24. Um, he, he is a prospect of note. And like I said, Perdomo's had some flashes. Uh, Mitchell would have to go in the bullpen, though, because he's out of options. So mm-hmm. 
We'll see what happens with that. But Strom's a great one. I knew you'd include him. And frankly, if you hadn't, I would have uh, finagled it onto my list just <laughs> now, so that we talked about him. But I, I left him for you. Now, talking about battling for rotation spots, you have Corden Burns and Brandon Woodruff here. Yes. And, you know, I've made it known that I'm I'm a Woodruff guy. Um, but honestly, I'm, I'm a whoever wins guy, too. I, I will. I, I'm a fence sitter on this one. I'm open <laughs> to, to, to jumping on whomever uh, is able to pull off this spot. I'll still have Woodruff in leagues where middle relievers are viable because I do think that even if he doesn't get the spot, he's an 80 plus uh, reliever type mixing in you know four or five swing starts as well he was in that same piece so was uh he and burns were in that same swingman piece so i'm just looking to see who wins the job obviously if one excels uh well beyond expectations that's going to put them in the front in the driver's seat but i kind of expect one of those tight battles where we don't really know uh who's going to be winning it you know both of them could be pitching very well woodruff and burns like i said eileen burns or excuse me eileen woodruff but i understand the burns excitement both from other folks in the fantasy industry i believe yourself uh you're more of a burns guy as well as the uh, brewers themselves so that i get it i'm kind of leaning with the underdog a little bit here but both are, are nice, and I do think whoever gets that starting job is somebody I want on my ball club. I am hoping it's Woodruff, though. Right. Uh, the reason I slightly lean Burns is because I think he has the best pitch of the two. The best single pitch, yeah. It, and that's a slider, 25% swing strike rate, 47% zone rate, 40% O swing. That's a complete Bitcoin uh, money pitch <laughs> in itself. Uh, and I do have some questions about uh, Woodruff's command overall. Um, I don't. I know this is going to sound weird, and I rarely do talk about actual mechanics, but I don't like the way he opens up and kind of uh, slings it a bit. It's what I didn't like when he initially came up, and it makes me concerned for the long haul. But it could be something that gets fixed, and that could be gone. Uh, so I'm not going to judge him too harshly. Perfectly fair concern, though, because definitely the eight percent walk rate is already kind of treading there and if you put him into a starters role you could see it maybe elevating so Woodruff is definitely going to have to be uh, careful and look to improve what he does with the walk rate or else that could be his undoing and then push them more toward Burns so like I said I'm open I will take whichever one and put them I've already got some Woodruff shares but if Corbin Burns wins it I'll admit defeat and jump on the, the burn strength because <laughs> sure. I think both are, are very interesting pitchers. Now, uh, I, I've let, got one more battle. Yeah, let's stick with fifth starter battle. battles. Unfortunately, oh, just before we came on, you got some bad news from oh, no, your I, favorite yeah. of this I, I got it. I got it this morning, and we were we were talking about it on the Discord and just going nuts, and it's, I hate everything. Let's talk Braves uh, then. Oh, man. Okay, so I, I, I just have to say this. Mike Soroka, really, I cannot stress this enough. I think about... Uh, young pitchers, and you know, I get excited about young pitchers at times. Uh, Mike Soroka, everything that I've read and oh. seen of him, do you have the he quote? just seems so destined to oh, be or, incredibly uh, successful in the majors. Yeah, do you have a paraphrasing of that quote that we had? It wasn't in the Discord yeah, had the it was other day him, about... Yeah, it was him talking about um, about the difference between the minor league baseballs and the major league baseballs. Yes. And him so saying, shocked. him talking as a 21-year-old, about spin axis and saying, okay, cool, you need to actually change your angle a little bit on release, and then once you really pull it down and tighten it, then all of a sudden the ball will move differently. It is such a level of maturity that you don't expect from a 20-year-old starter. And he's talked about this before, about how he utilizes his four-seamer versus two-seamer, and then also the two-seamer itself and to get more sync or to get more ride. Uh, one of my favorite gifts of last year is Azrubal Cabrera striking out on his two-seamer, <laughs> thinking it's going to sink more, but instead he did more ride, and you can see Cabrera <laughs> swing underneath it. Yep. 
ah, oh, it's so brilliant, and you don't see that ever. And this is from a 21 year old. So, uh, and not to mention that he's figuring out a slider, and it's been getting better. And his changeup is there too. It's just now he has his shoulder problem. So. You have to think that they're super careful with it, and he yeah. will not get that fifth rotation spot out of the gate, which means me having Soroka in the 50s, yeah, that is going way down now. So, um, okay, so let's now, uh, let's dry our right. tears from that because I share your, your Soroka <laughs> love there. It's take a while. And, no, uh, you know, Tucson and Gohara are more raw, but they've got some nasty stuff as well. I, I love Tuki, but I really do think that it is leaning right? toward that kind of devastating reliever. Well, this is what I what I say about this really quickly is that uh, if Gohara was healthy in September, he would be starting instead of Tuki. Um, I, I really I do believe that Gohara has more of the makeup of a starter. That is, he has this overpowering fastball with a great slider and a changeup that should be developing and better than the the changeup of Tuki Dusant. Tuki, meanwhile, has a fastball that's okay. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It, it's not hard. It's not well commanded. And he has a split finger. And when I talk about Tuki as a guy that's raw and not a command specialist, you don't want that person to have a split finger because a split finger is the hardest one to command and get really good feel for. Such feel. And, and you know, the best split finger probably in the game is Tanaka, and we see the volatility with his. Right. Let exactly. alone somebody who doesn't have that great feel. So I agree. Like, like I said, with Tuki – it just really does cut the image of, of a great back-end reliever. And so I, I, now, I'm he not might gonna, get the first shot, though. I'm not going to throw out the idea that maybe even Max Fried or uh, Kyle Wright get an opportunity in there. True. Um, this is definitely something to be looking at a lot. Uh, whoever gets that opportunity, I mean, if it's Max or, or Kyle, I'm probably not going to jump on board. If it's Luis Gohara, I'm getting it everywhere. It mm-hmm. might be a little bit rocky at first. But I do feel if he is getting those innings, Gohara will have some unbelievable moments that will win you weeks. Uh, that slider is just so good, and he's throwing hard, hard from the left side, too. Uh, and it's changeup that really, I, I remember that that debut, I actually said that his changeup could profile out better than that slider, which I got a lot of pushback for, understandably so, because the slider has just performed so much better forever. But I really do see that being a nullifier to right-handers a ton uh, for Gohara. So That'd be huge. That, I really feel that if he gets that job, I'm jumping on him everywhere. All right. So that's the, the that's the fifth starter battle there. Soroka's our number one, but shoulder issues have really kind of uh, clouded his f- immediate future here. Then Luis Gohara versus Tuki Toussaint. So definitely stay tuned there. Uh, this one isn't really a fifth starter battle, my last one, because I don't know that he's really going to get that chance to start the season i think they might just put him down for the uh the the proverbial you know two-week little deal the the vlad jr treatment the uh the acuna the bryant treatment it's a little bit different with pitchers and oakland is not a team that necessarily goes crazy with that so jesus lazardo doesn't necessarily have to go right down to the minors especially because our rotation is trash but i'm going to be keeping a close eye on him and his performance and what he can do to kind of stand out and and not be necessarily part of the japan trip um but be ready to go when they come back and start, uh, start, you know, a quote unquote official opening day uh, when everything starts up here stateside. I do think Jesus Lazardo is somebody that can be a major, a major fantasy asset this year. I think he's yes. arguably the best pitching prospect uh, in baseball right now. I, th- I think it's. Uh, I, I would I would put him up there. Uh, we actually got really lucky. Got to see him today. Yes. Uh, and a little uh, something. He did. Um, so what I saw in this very brief, 
brief stint and from a terrible camera angle, which we're going to get used to with him oh. pitching in Oakland. And but I just really, spring training in general. They're so right. bad. Oh, man. I don't understand why they can't get that better, but it's fine. Uh, ish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he says no, you're gritted teeth. It's fine. No, it's cool. It's, uh, it's totally so, cool. So very quick reactions. I mean, this is really not a lot of footage and everything. Uh, I am not the biggest fan of his lower arm angle, but it does seem he does seem to have good command of that fastball for the most part. He, he doesn't it doesn't worry me so much like it does other guys, and it does look very electric. That is deceptive, and it is ninety three ninety five from what I've heard. I could see that playing up a bit um, from the way that he releases it. Curveball is a lot of movement. That that froze a batter. O two looked great. Fell right in the zone. Tons of movement that will get swing strikes and change of his fantastic oh, really really impressed me that's what makes so me so excited pitches. about Lazardo. that's the thing that's three pitches right there uh, and it really just comes down to how raw is he going to be how polished is that command going to be out of the gate if i see a start i mean the second i see a start of that looking great i'm going to be sold because that's kind of what we've seen thus far it was a sub six walk percentage in 16 starts in double a in 2018 he did have 16 shakyish innings yeah but we've seen a lot of swing strike rates above 13 percent actually in every way 16 uh, shakyish at triple a is what you were right i'm sorry alluding yes. to there yes but uh, i luzardo you're you're definitely right makes a massive impact when he comes up um the the a's rotation technically is filled it's weird. I mean, they have five people there, yeah. Right. But uh, <laughs> depends. Yeah. I don't know that the, they should necessarily be blocking him off. And there's some health concerns too. I mean, you got right. Mike Fires, so, Marco Estrada, Brett Anderson, Daniel Mangden, and Frankie Montas. Like, right. Literally, none of the five should be blocking Jesus Lazardo off when he's ready to go. But you're right. That's why he could start down, maybe have a, a two- to three-week stint, maybe even the first full month. But I'll take five months of Jesus Lazardo. The fact you know, of it is, I'm I'm stashing him. Right. The uh, the super sneaky play there in Oakland is Frankie Montes, um, which I can't, I can't hold back and not mention. Uh, it's annoying because he throws 96, but he throws a bowling ball sinker. And I really do feel that he shouldn't be doing that. Uh, it didn't go his way. A 325 bat up overall last year in his 65 innings pitched. Uh, I I wonder if he switches that to be more four seam heavy. He has a good enough slider that lives could be up in the some, zone a little bit, perhaps. Yep, that could be a little bit of a sneaky AL only value. And Montas don't necessarily count him out. Yep, because the guy that throws that hard with a good slider too. You wonder if uh, if it's, he's just a small tweak away. Yeah, there's more swing and miss uh, to Montas' game than the 15% strikeout rate from yes. last year would make you believe. So definitely don't sleep on somebody like that. Again, similar to um, – who was it I mentioned earlier? Bundy. That uh, he's going into his age 26 season. He has been around for a while. I remember he was prospect with the White Sox getting a lot of acclaim back in the – I didn't – honestly, I didn't even know this. I didn't know he was with the Red Sox before. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't know that that's where he started. (laughs) It was with the White Sox that I learned of Frankie Montas, and that's where he started getting his acclaim. Went over to the Dodgers, then the A's, and that's now where he is. That's a good call out, though, for sure. Um, uh, Complete other end because he's 36 years old. (laughs) 
I got a tinge of interest in Marco Estrada maybe getting out of a home run haven (laughs) and the AL beast. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we'll we'll see. But Montas for sure and Lazardo above all there. Uh, That does it on my end. I think that does it for your list, too. Anybody else you wanted to tack on? Are we good to go? No, that's it. We're going to have some fun spring training guys between now and the next cast. Yes, absolutely. We're going to have some things that are going to happen that we're going to be able to talk about performances Hopefully we don't get too much on the injuries, but it'd be a pipe dream to believe that we get nothing. Right. So we're going to have things to talk about there as well. So a lot of our, uh, our our future firesides here for the next month plus will be dictated by what happens in spring training, which, again, it's back, Nick. Baseball is finally oh, here. Back. We made it, dude. Oh, we made I'm it. So, so we'll be back next week talking more baseball. Have a good one, Nick. All right. I'll see you then. <laughs>